This program does not provide medical advice. We assume no liability for the information provided on MindForce Radio. Please consult your physician before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. This is Roger LaPointe, and I have known Bob Whalen for many years at this point, and he is one of the most intense individuals you will ever meet. Go MindForce Radio. From Mind Force Radio, this is Natural Strength Night with Maximum Bob. On Natural Strength Night, we don't talk about the other things Bob likes to talk about. Tonight, we only talk strength training. When I say strength training, I don't mean training like punk-ass goons in the muscle magazines who jacked up on juice, steroids, and PEDs. I mean natural strength. Strength built on good food, heavy weights, and no shortcuts. If you want to learn about real natural strength, weight training the right way, the old school way, stick around. Bob and his friends just might teach you something. He's here, the host of Natural Strength Night, Maximum Bob Whalen. Tonight you're in for a real treat. We're going to pick the brain of a physical culture legend, Mr. Dick Connor. Dick is a regular on the Natural Strength Night podcast, and people can't seem to get enough of him because he knows his stuff and he tells the truth. As a coach, he is like the John Wooden of natural powerlifting. If you live anywhere near Evansville, Indiana, you got to go get a workout from Coach Connor. He is still at the pit several days a week. For more information, visit the website, thepitbarbellclub.com. And welcome back, Dick. Good to hear from you. What about that new sign you were telling me about? You told me how they're putting this big highway sign at the pit, and they're going to put all the people's records on it. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I don't know, you know, how far I can go with explaining it because I don't know, but they got tremendous, uh, t- some tremendous ideas. It'll be a really attractive place to guys that like to lift, and there is a lot of records at the pit that are, that are on the wall, and uh, they're really working in that direction as they open this second place, uh, the pit, uh, in another area. Which is going to be equipped, and you know, I seen some of the other equipment the other day, and I was amazed. But yeah, their idea is to use uh, this modern technology to, if you go in there and break a record, and for instance, Bob, you know, like they got a one-arm chin record, one-arm pull-up record. I mean, and they got all kind of records there on on the walls that's been there for years and years, and. Uh, if you would go in there and you're a member, you got to be a member, and you break to do the one arm chin, which is one arm, not, not the other ain't involved, then you would be put on this <laughs> lit up uh, sign by the highway that lights up and puts your name on it, what you did. Now, whether it's going to be moving or blinking or all those kind of things, I don't know. 
guys will bust their butt to be on that. But now oh, yeah. on the hi- highway, man, you get thousands of cars going by every day. I mean, <laughs> these guys, they're going to kill themselves to be up on that thing. <laughs> yeah, it can cause even problems, and I won't get into that, but there has been some uh, some problems at the pit over record breaking and how they how it come about, you know, and whether this and that. And uh, but it's a big deal it's, it's to those guys. I realize there's different type people in the world, and there's different people that go in uh, fitness centers, strength training places, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the, the, you know, the pits are d- different. It's not a fitness place as such, although they, they have that too. But Mostly it's strength training and attracts those kind of guys. But, it's you know, it's going to be something different, I suppose. I mean, there may be some place else like that. I don't know. Uh, you <laughs> might hear from them, in fact. But, yeah, records are a big deal to pit. And uh, I had a guy yesterday. He's done broke a couple, and his whole bent right at this particular moment is to break more of them. But one of them is a beer barrel. He happens to be a He drives a beer truck. And uh, he says, I handle him barrels all day long, you know. But anyway, he's going to go for that record, which is not easy. i got some good listener questions for you. The first one, if you were just starting to lift weights today, what key things do you wish you would know about training? Yeah, well, you know, when you get old, and I'm almost 77, and people, some people say, well, you're not that old, and other people say, man, you are old. <laughs> so... Depends on how old you are if you call me old. But uh, I'm old and realize it. And, and, and you have a tendency in your life to look back. And uh, maybe it ain't good. I don't know. But I remember when I was young lifting weights, I always wondered how many sets, how many sets was the right way to, to, to lift. Was it four sets? Was it three sets? I tell you, be honest with you, when I first started training, I had very few people that tried to tell me that one set was enough. But in my opinion, and it's, you know, it it is an opinion, but it's also many, many people have over the years come to this conclusion, you know, that if you work hard enough on the first set, then you won't want to do a second set, you know. And so intensity is what I would... The number one thing that I would want to know nowadays, Bob, if I was lifting weights, is that if you're going to do a set of curls, you gotta you gotta have proper form, but and and that's part of the intensity. You know, if you're if you're trying to isolate your bicep, uh, you, you got to do it with correct form. You got to isolate the bicep, and which is actually, you know, I know you can't. You can't isolate anything, but you're trying to work the bicep, so you're gonna not going to swing and throw like I was taught by a lot of the magazines. And, again, I can get off track on that stuff. But uh, So you're trying to make it very intent and, and squeeze out those reps and so on and so forth. And so if I had it to do over, the number one thing I would want somebody to do is grab me by the shirt and say, look, young man, it ain't how many sets you do, it's how hard you work the muscle. And uh, I know, again, people, there's all kinds of things that said about getting bigger and stronger, but you you lift a weight to get stronger and then let the results of whatever else happens, in my opinion. You're not trying to just get a big muscle that's weak. I wouldn't have one myself if I could have 
strength over muscle size, but muscle size and strength go together. So train with intensity, uh, number one, in my opinion. I agree with everything you just said, but some of the high-intensity people, when all they talk about is hard work, they, they talk about hard work so much they forget to talk about adding weight. You know, so it, it, you, why even bother lifting weights? Just do many as many push-ups as you want. Or just use light. You just stay lightweight and go to failure forever. Then you know what I mean. But All right. other, others are the opposite, and they'll just add weight when they shouldn't. Uh, they'll they'll add weight when their form isn't right, or they'll be they'll be sloppy. And then others put so much emphasis on the form that they use any excuse not to add weight. But I, I agree with everything you just said. As long as you add weight. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. Like the other day, I talked with one of a guy that I have trained off and on, and he's a good hard worker, and he's not a kid any longer. I've trained him since 19, probably, off and on. There's a big gap in there, but I train him again now. I've been training for a long time again, but since 19, probably 67, and I and he is really hard on himself about correct form and intensity and 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 I and I try to tell him, look, you have had a heck of a good workout. You, you know, give yourself credit, give it all you got as correct as you can, but give yourself credit and increase weight when you reach a certain place. Uh, don't um, say, well, I just never will get perfect, so I'll just stay at the same weight. Because, again, you might as well do push-ups, which is better than nothing, but right. <laughs> not much. Right. And right. Uh, so, you know, that's the reason a guy invented a, a, a weight, a, a dumbbell and a barbell, was that's why they were invented to increase weight. <laughs> that, that's right. And, uh, and it's a super tool, you know, as Arthur Jones said and so on and so forth, even though he invented and made millions off of machines. He said, you know, barbell was far too good a tool for most people when done correctly. They don't. So intensity it does include a lot of things, but I wished I'd have known then what I know now about it. This is another question, the difference between compound and isolation exercises. Again, you know, when you're working around more than one joint, that's a compound exercise like a leg press or a squat deadlift, those movements that work around more than one joint are compound and give you more results. But I don't, I also don't do away with uh, certain movements that are isolation, work around one joint. I don't think they're bad. I think some people use them wrong. I think the leg extension will, as Arthur Jones, quoting Arthur Jones again, Add a little bit to your legs more than if you didn't do it. But it's done so incorrectly by so many people throwing the thing up and jamming it at the top. And then they blame the exercise for the knee problems that it brings around. But isolation uh, exercise, and, uh, you know, I can always quote somebody. And I've been corrected before on people say, well, quit using somebody else's. Well, I don't know what else to do because people influence me like they do you. And uh, Leo Stern kind of would get on your case, uh, uh, you know, the, the guy that trained Bill Pearl. He would get on your case about, that, well, there ain't no real bad exercise. It's how you do them. But, it, but in most people's case, they need to stick with, here again, we're going to an opinion. And based on what I've seen over the years, 
compound exercises will build more size and strength. And you don't need to do many of them. Uh, again, there's only six or eight or ten exercises. That everything else is kind of a uh, overlapping same thing kind of thing. You know, you're doing the same thing over and over. Right. Kind of like spelling your name and think you're getting smarter. You know. Right. But, I, uh, I agree with you, Dick. Because a lot of people misinterpret when we write an article or something, and we'll say the core of your program should be the compound movements. And then people will email you and say, how come you don't believe in the isolation movements? Well, I never said never do them. I said mm-hmm. the core of your routine should be the compound movement. So, you know, just like you just said, if you work hard on five, six, you know, seven, whatever, four, uh, if you work hard on the compound movements, you're not really going to want to do too many isolation movements. So what what I usually tell my clients is the compound movements are the main meal. And when we get through with that, if there's time for dessert, <laughs> and if, if you feel like having dessert, we can throw in a few isolation exercises. You know, if, you, if you're not too tired and uh, you, get, you do all your squats and you do, you do all your military presses and you do all your – everything on the uh, menu that we were planning on doing, and you did it, and, and usually it's the young people because the older ones just they're, they don't want to do any, anything extra. But if the younger ones did everything, then they can do their curls. They can do their leg extensions, okay? But they're not, the key is you don't skip the compound to make the isolation the main part of your workout. You're right. Uh, and and there's, just, there's just some satisfaction even in guys, again, I'll mention the same guy, that I just talked about. I trained since the '60s. He, he don't need a lot. He don't need to isolate his tricep or bicep. But he he wants to do one set of a tricep right. on a, a workout, and he wants to do one set of a bicep. And I don't, you know, I I wouldn't argue against him at all because there's a great satisfaction. There's some, I, I tell you, I've said it before, and I think if there's, I repeat everything I say. Somebody else has already said, except I don't hear very often. <laughs> that that's a, the love of weightlifting. There, there's a love between a guy that really likes to lift weights, or a woman and man, either one. I say a guy or a girl. If you really like to lift weights, there's a tremendous satisfaction, and there's something you know that it does for you. It really does more than just make you stronger. It's almost spiritual. It, it, yeah, it it makes you just feel better all over. Yeah, it's it, it is a self-satisfying thing, and over the years I've done so much damage to myself that the people I train, I don't want to do that damage to them, and I don't have to because I, I finally understood uh, that you don't have to wreck yourself. Of course, there's a lot of ways you can do that, but correctly done weightlifting is very safe, and it's very satisfying, and it's it, you, you will in time fall in love with it so don't wreck your body uh i was talking to a guy again going back to the pit i was talking to a guy yesterday and he he gets in ice after he trains and mm-hmm. I, I think well that takes a lot of courage to ice your whole body down and but from pro football players do it so he's a power lifter and i think well he will probably prolong his career and I realize how much he loves what he's doing. 
And uh, the owner, Pat Tyring, you know, he's not a teenager anymore, and he's been around for years, and he loves you, – you can just watch him lift weights until he loves it. So, you know, a guy wants to think about that part of weightlifting, too. It, 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 it's, it's really something that some people really love to do. So uh, don't wreck your body by, in my opinion, jerking and yanking on weights. And I know that gets to be controversial, too, because – I know what's going on out there in this day and age. Right. Yeah, the next question, Dick, is it ever proper to round your back when doing squats or deadlifts? No, it's not. And yet I, I've had guys that, that I trained in, when they'd go to a powerlifting meet and, and even at other times round their back. But it's never proper and, and again, it's easier for some people uh, to keep a flat back. The short back, long-legged person can keep the back flat much easier. And um, it's never proper. Uh, you're putting tremendous force on that joint, whatever word you want to use. But it's, it, it is not healthy, and over a period of time, you, you you may regret it with deep regret that you've done the damage that you can do to your back. Again, if you don't have somebody that knows what they're doing when it comes to teaching uh, certain lifts, then you, there are some tools nowadays. And, of course, a hyperextension's been around forever. It's a great back exercise if done under control. It's just a tremendous tool. And so... It's uh, I, I I don't like to advise people to do uh, be honest with you deadlifts even on uh, it, when I used to write although I did because the truth of it is it's a tremendous movement builds a lot of strength but it has to be done correct and of course the trap bar probably is the best bet. Oh, well, what about uh, the hammer deadlift? You if you have uh, older clients like over fifty and they're start just starting out on training would you? Uh, Start them out on the hammer deadlift or have them not do deadlifts at all? Well, I have guys use the hammer deadlift, um, but mostly young guys. I train a, what I think is an exceptional high school football player, and we have him do it. And um, But uh, uh, we've also got other pieces of equipment where we don't have to uh, use that machine, although it's – relatively easy to teach but I, I, I t between the trap bar and the hammer strength uh it seems to me that I, I can almost teach the trap bar easier than i can the hammer uh to keep a flat back again I, it took me years to realize that that guy with that short back i was watching a guy yesterday who's in his 60s do the hammer deadlift and his and he almost had stiff legs but his back was as flat as it could be you know, i just I, I was just amazed at watching him how flat he kept i wasn't training him he was training himself but i used to train him and uh, he just keeps a perfectly flat back so it's no it's never appropriate to to round your back it's not worth it and uh, you know if uh, if you think you got a deadlift you you might get somebody to tell you the truth about that back because you, uh, you really need a personal trainer to do a deadlift. And he might have to be so honest with you. He says, you weren't born for it. <laughs> so that's just my opinion. <laughs> what are the best assistance movements for a power lifter? 
Well, it's really not a lot different than it is for a guy who just basically is training for strength or for um, a bodybuilder. You know, it's you, you got to do again the compound movements. Over the years, I've changed somewhat. Uh, I was reading a hard gainer the other day, and I like to get reminded of stuff myself. You know, I like mm-hmm. to get uh, told. You know, and I still train. A couple of power lifters. Uh, again, I've tried to get away from it. Now I'm going to probably get back into it a little more because the older I get, now I want something to do that I like to do. <laughs> more than, you yeah. know, just doing it because, uh, you know, you're in the business. So I, I'm probably going to pick up on a couple more power lifters. Power lifting, uh, again, it's how you're built to start off with. I, I, here, here's my opinion. A long, if you got a long torso, you're built for Olympic lifting. If you got a short torso, you're built more for powerlifting. But, you know, if you learn how to do the wide foot deadlift, if you learn how to do the sumo deadlift, then and that's the deadlift you do if you have a long torso. And mm-hmm. if you have a short torso, do the close foot deadlift. But again, the com, you know, a, a roll and a pull down are, you know, those two movements are, are upper back movements, bicep movements, forearm movements. They work a lot of muscle, and so those two movements almost absolutely have to be somewhere involved, some way in a powerlifter's training because a powerlifter, if you've been to many powerlifting meets. And it isn't that necessary that those guys trained right, but if you've been to very many powerlifting meets, you'll see some tremendous backs. I mean, some of them guys' backs just uh, just are, are really something. And it wasn't because necessarily they done a deadlift or they done a compound or they done a row or they done a pull down or what have you. They had a good back and they got better from powerlifting. But you still, where you're at, have to do movements that develop the same muscles they might have got for nothing. So you got to understand, gifted guys become good at something, but if you're going to be good at it. And then, of course, you got to bench, and you got to do some kind of overhead press. Or, again, I know it's an isolation movement, but I believe in the lateral raise if you do it correctly uh, as a movement. But also the rear delts. You need to work the rear deltoid. Explain what you mean, because you just said if you do those lateral raises. Explain what well, you mean by uh, correctly. I know that, you know, the thumbs position is, is a you know, something you need to consider. You don't want to put the thumb down and come up high and impinge that shoulder, as it does on some people, uh, as I think an upright row might do, but... Again, if if you'll bring that thing up slow and and under control, that's most important, uh, more important than almost the thumb position. I think, it, you know, again, I see guys do lateral raises. It scare me to death right. if I had any kind of shoulders because they just throw the thing up. But let the muscle do the work, and you don't have to reach to the ceiling. The, the the four upper body exercises would be a row, a pull down, uh, a press, and a bench press. You got to do a bench press because that's part of your your movement. But I was going to say something I didn't. I don't like to train the lift itself. I don't like training the lifts themselves with high reps anymore. I used to do that with guys, and some guys got by with it. But I think other guys paid a price. Uh, 
because mm-hmm. I think you can lose your technique too easy. So three to five reps, and primarily three where you cycle. Build mm-hmm. your strength with your assistance exercises, and we just talked about four of them. And if you don't have a, a, some really good back machine, and I, uh, there, there there are some out there nowadays, uh, you know, uh, the Medics, low back is an outstanding tool, I think. Um, there's a, there's some up, upright hyper machines uh, that that are out there that are real good, but if you don't have those, you, you, the hyper extension has to really be a, a very important part of your assistance work. The rear deltoid has to be worked because the shoulders take a beating, you know, lay face down on a bench and mm-hmm. raise them out to the side and, and do them slowly. Or you can use the bands, the rubber bands stretch, you know, to the neck and but get mm-hmm. that rear deltoid. And you got a squat and you got a deadlift. And again, I don't like to tell people to do what I used to teach, and that's uh, I used to teach people to do pretty much a stiff legged deadlift. But again, I wouldn't do that anymore because it's too dangerous. So, <laughs> hey Dick, hold that thought, okay? And we'll be right back okay. after this. We'll be back with more right after this. This segment brought to you by VitalNutritionStore.com. Did you know that more than 7 million Americans suffer from coronary heart disease, the most common form of heart disease? Regardless of your age or condition, adding Cardio for Life to your daily regime will dramatically improve your cardiovascular condition. Cardio for Life has been the top-selling Enlarginine product in the marketplace now for more than three years. It is also the top-selling product at VitalNutritionStore.com. Formulated by Dr. Harry Elwart, the best-selling author of Let's Stop the Number One Killer of Americans Today, Dr. Harry believes together we can prevent and reverse heart disease. Cardio for Life comes in three wonderful flavors, orange, peach, and grape, and is gluten-free, sugar-free, and sodium-free. Please see our complete line of natural products at vitalnutritionstore.com. That's V-I-T-A-L nutritionstore.com. Randy Roach shocked the world with the release of his first volume of Muscle Smoke and Mirrors several years ago. It was a masterpiece of over 500 pages with such in-depth research and detail that it was not only surprising, but shocking and mind-blowing. It was truly one of the best Iron Game history books ever written. He followed that with Volume 2, another epic book with over 700 pages of equal depth and detail. All serious Iron Game fans need to have these books. Please visit Randy's website at randyroach.ca. That's R-A-N-D-Y-R-O-A-C-H dot C-A. Listen to how Iron Game legend and the Iron Master editor, Osmo Kihaw, describes the book Supernatural Strength. Have you ever wondered how much real-world experience authors have when they write books about weight training? Who is that person behind the computer? What do they really know about the Iron Game? If you picked up this book, Supernatural Strength, you have definitely come to the right place. 
The author, Bob Whalen, has spent several decades in the Iron Game trenches, training himself, competing and coaching in powerlifting, earning academic credentials too numerous to mention, and thousands of hours of training and instructing athletes and trainees of all levels at his Washington, D.C. gym since 1990. He's not only devoted his life to motivating and pushing people to heights they have never been to, but elevating the trainees' understanding why certain methods work better than others. Bob is one of the most respected and revered trainers in the business today. This book is sure to surprise and amaze you at the same time. Order now at SupernaturalStrength.com. That's SupernaturalStrength.com. Don't you think it would be so much easier getting into shape if you had a personal coach? Just like all the celebrities do. Well, now you can. Bob Whalen of WebStrengthCoach.com wants to get you out of your rut and coach you to success. He's dedicated to helping you achieve your strength and fitness goals through your hard work and his expert guidance. Bob will help you with strength training, muscle building, fitness, nutrition, and motivation. He'll make sure you achieve your maximum physical potential. You can get one-on-one training with Bob through his website webstrengthcoach.com he will develop a personalized program tailored to your individual needs a program right for you bob will give you feedback after every workout this is old school fitness and nutrition no fads and no gimmicks bob will use proven natural techniques to make sure you are satisfied so visit webstrengthcoach.com today and let bob help you reach your best self webstrengthcoach.com Do you enjoy history without social engineering? Reading about our founding fathers? Economics from a capitalist perspective? Wisdom from modern patriots? Welcome to UncleSamBooks.com, where virtues like rugged individualism, hard work, and the American dream dominate. UncleSamBooks.com. Great books for homeschooling. UncleSamBooks.com. If you want to become as strong and muscular as possible with health in mind and without lowering yourself to using steroids, the best advice can be found in the classic strongman books of long ago. These are the best books ever written on the subjects of strength training, weightlifting, strongman training, iron game history, and old-time physical culture. Many of them can still be found at physicalculturebooks.com. There you will find good, Honest, time-tested wisdom from the great old-time strongmen to maximize your natural muscular and strength potential. Please visit physicalculturebooks.com. Listen to Ken Manny, head strength and conditioning coach at Michigan State University, describe the book Iron Nation, a masterpiece text on some of the most intriguing and compelling personal stories, iron game history, and gut-wrenching training routines ever put to paper. If you truly love hard training without all the frills of pomp and circumstance so common today, you will love Iron Nation. Written by lifters for lifters. If you love weight training, you will love Iron Nation. Order now at ironnation.com. That's I-R-O-N nation.com. If you would like to promote your business on MindForce Radio, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know if you are interested in a 30- or 60-second voice commercial or a banner website ad. Please contact Bob using the contact information provided on MindForceRadio.com. You're listening to Natural Strength Night on MindForce Radio. (laughs) 
before the break, we were talking talking about assistance exercises for a power lifter. Is any anything else you'd like to add to that, Dick? Well, I don't think I mentioned a leg press, but you know, a leg press will help your squat, no matter what people. It'll help your deadlift. But where most people go wrong on that exercise, and of course, it depends on which one you got, is when you come out of the bottom, come out real slow, so you get your hip involved. And uh, instead of seeing how much weight you can lift, make sure you concentrate on seeing how hard you can work the hip because the hip's so important. Uh, Again, low back and leg work is going to be a whole lot of of a of a power lifter's work. And you can't, as I told guys before, I said, you can't be a great power lifter if if you can bench 800 pounds, you can't squat but three. You know, of course, there ain't no such guys that unless a guy crippled or something. But the the thing of it is, you you make your money off the squat and deadlift. And at the same time, I'm saying something that most powerlifters will not agree with, train twice a week. I mean, I know a, a kid yesterday, I almost told him, I said, why don't you go to twice a week? Instead of three or four, whatever you're doing, and see, because he's wanting to get bigger. But he's not ripe for that information yet, so I ain't going to try to tell him. Train only twice a week. Make sure you do leg and low back work. And, again, the hyperextension being a, a tremendous movement, unless you've got some other good tools. You know, understand that compound movements are still the basic movements for a, a powerlifter like they are for a bodybuilder or anybody else. They have to be done. And... Uh, they, they, I know sometimes people might think, well, this gets old. You know, I, that's all that guy knows. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I wish somebody would have beat my head that importance when I was younger. And, so, Dick, uh, how, how big are you on uh, pausing at the midpoint on a, on, a, on an assistance exercise, we'll say? Let's just say you're doing a, a hammer strength machine like the ISO row or the pull down or whatever. When you're at the midpoint of the exercise, do you try to uh, have a definite – pause in the movement or you know when you go down pause or do you just as long as you go up and down under control that's good enough well we've used every variation that you can think of again a good hard workout is is has to be kept somewhat simple we do and have done for instance on the pull down um the time static contraction that you might be familiar with nowadays where you hold the weight in about the middle position and mm-hmm. increase weight whenever you can hold it for a one minute to two minutes. I've used that a lot too. It all works. If you know, it it it, it it'll work your I ain't sure like the people really like to train like that, so I mean your regular repetition when you when you get to the bottom position, uh have a, a definite pause. Uh, all three movements I definitely for instance on the deadlift I make a guy pause. Right. Ever repetition, stop, reset, not bouncing, never, never, because you're going to lose your form. Mm-hmm. And even on the squat, as a, I have, I call it a negative squat. And the only trouble is you got to be careful doing it too much, because pretty soon that's the way you'll be doing it in a contest, where you go down and hold it, and then I'll tell a guy, okay, push, as a supplemental movement. And of course, you got to pause on the bench. It's, you just can't. Um, kid yourself, uh, you know, unless you're going to a contest. Now, there's you can find any kind of contest you want, Bob. 
you can find a contest where you don't have to, you, you, two inches high is all right on the squat, and the bouncing on the bench, and you name it. I mean, there's all kind of contests out there. Uh, but if you go to what I believe is legitimate and you're not one to kid yourself, you better practice pausing on the bench and the deadlift. And the deadlift, both of them are much safer, in my opinion. But I don't, I don't mean you relax at the bottom of a bench press. You, 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 you're, you're actually holding that thing for about a second and a half to two seconds before you press it. And you should, that's the way you should train. Now, again, that's... A lot of people ain't gonna agree with that, but yeah, I, I used to train. So no matter what judge I had, it would be easy because my training was harder. I would pause on my chest for two, three, four seconds all the time. So that was my normal way to train. So then when I went to the meet, uh, I didn't really care when he clapped because it was quick for me. So <laughs> it wouldn't really yeah, matter. Yeah, right. It wouldn't, exactly. it wouldn't matter to me. Yeah, and and then uh, it's the same with squats. I, I would always go way deep, so I wouldn't right. care who who it was, you know. But um, but I I, I was more talking about the because because we both um agree on the powerlifting thing, but everyone has a different opinion on machines. Okay, that you'll read one article about someone pausing for a, a one one thousand pause at the midpoint on a regular workout, not not uh, a a powerlifting exercise on an assistance exercise, like mm-hmm. the pull down or the ISO row or any type of uh, hammer machine, they would have a, a pause for like a one to two second pause at the midpoint and a one to two second pause on the contraction. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I was I was just curious if you did that as a normal thing or if you just occasionally would do that. No, I don't ever do that as a normal thing. But I have, like I said, used the time steady contraction stuff quite a bit. Uh, but not too much with power lifters, but with, you know, people that have some joint problems, you know, and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. But I didn't really understand what you were saying. No, I really, I really, you know, I just try to get a guy to work hard. And I think if I can tell if a guy is working hard. If I could offer anything to a guy, it would be, I think I can, you can't fool me. Uh, I'll give you an example. A lady called me today. She had some kind of surgery. She's about my age. She's been training for about four years, and she says she's never been hurt training under me, but has un- under other people. And she also s- says it's really improved her golf because she's gotten stronger. It's that simple, right. you know. And uh, it's no magic workout. It's just a brief, hard workout. And um, she took a few years to even buy into it. I mean, people have a tendency to think you're trying to hurt them or something mentally. Uh, you know, if you try to encourage him to train hard, like I've been told at least 10,000 times, you enjoy this, don't you? Well, <laughs> I enjoy seeing people get results, you know? Right. And, and I, I'll be honest with you, I, I make a little money at it, but I've done it for 100 years where I didn't make any money at it. And I enjoyed that, and I probably, I heard a pro football player say the other day on TV, some kind of interview, he said he'd do it. it was, he says, yeah, we make lots of money, but I'd do it for nothing. <laughs> Right. You know, if I didn't make any money, so you know, I enjoy doing it. I but I know that results are going to come from hard work. So you got to learn how to work hard. You know, like Arthur Jones said in that one big book, that guy from Canada. I don't know if you've read that book or not. A guy, I think he was from Canada, put together all of his writings, and he said in the back of that book, <laughs> quoted Arthur Jones as saying, "I can tell you in one paragraph all you need to know." You know, something like. 
uh, you know, just find the hardest exercises and do them the hardest way you can. If that don't work, then work harder and do less, <laughs> which was which was Arthur Jones. You know, that's that's the way he was. I was around him several times, and he was quite the character. But it, it, again, if people might hear this and hear it and hear it and hear it, but. I, it's, uh, you know, you need to. And, and I look back on my life, and I wish, I, I wish somebody would have grabbed me by the throat and said, look, you're training too much. And right. I wish they had got me to training twice a week and just training on the basic movements. And I know, again, people want to hear about something new, something super. There ain't really nothing new, and there ain't nothing super. You can build all kind of machines, but they're just still built around, as Arthur Jones quoted him again, uh, muscle function dictates design, and all he was saying was he has to build a machine over what the muscle does. And um, so, you know, you, you got to hear this, these things uh, to encourage yourself and uh, to, to go back and do basic movements and, you know, unless you just want to go in the gym to be seen. A lot of times we repeat some of the same questions every week, and the yeah. listeners send us the same questions, but... These are the things that you have to hear over and over again. It's just like with us. I mean, we both have said in the previous podcast that it took us several years to listen. I mean, we were both stubborn, too. Yeah, it took me years of hearing Perry Rader say it uh, before I finally did it, you know, training twice a week. So, uh, you know, hopefully if we say this stuff over and over again, somebody out there in their 20s is going to learn just like we did. Right. Yes, uh, Perry Rader was one of the greatest, and uh, <laughs> I used to read other books, and I won't get into those books. But I, 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 I didn't like Perry Rader's stuff because it, it, every excuse in the world, but probably my, my imagination. I imagined all kind of things about myself that – you know, and maybe I didn't want to hear some of the truth that he had to say, but my goodness, that guy hadn't—he—he he was as honest as he could be, and you know, he took different trips himself as to what was the best way to train. But you know, his—he admits his best workout, as far as gaining, and he said he had tried everything was just twice a week, and of course he used his squatting and a couple other movements, upper body movements, compound movements to do that, and. So, you know, again, I wish somebody would have told me, or better yet, grab me and had control of me. But that's, you know, how everybody's got that in their life. You know, and just like the information you put out about drugs, trying to point guys to natural training, a good friend of mine, and maybe he'll hear this, he's a good friend, and... um, Yeah, you got to be willing to make enemies. You have to take a stand. You know, you, yeah, you can't I, you can't just like try to be everybody's friend. I mean, you know, you have to just you have to tell the truth and not care who gets pissed off. If you're against drugs, you gotta be you gotta be uh, loud about it. Yeah, yeah, you have to speak out about it. And there, there's more than there, there's more than one reason why I like it. But, uh, but a good friend of mine just here in the last two weeks, 45 years old. And this might, this might get to him. I don't know. And if it does, you know, that's so be it. But and, and he's a good man in a ton of ways. But he had he's been using that stuff, and he had to have a stent put in all at once. He can't breathe. Forty five years old, built like a just man. I mean, he'd have been Mister America in nineteen fifty six. And you know, he was that he's that well built. But 
I'm asking myself now, can he get off it? I'm right. telling you, it's as addictive as anything else. That's right. And uh, so once you're on it, you're you're entangled in a web that's going to be a real struggle. And there's just so much evidence that this stuff is really messing with your heart. It gets psychologically addictive when you become huge and strong and then all of a sudden you shrink and you got to explain why. <laughs> So, well, no, you know, a lot of my injuries come about when I got injured. I wouldn't rest my injuries and let myself. And of course, if I if I knew how to train like I do now, I'm confident I wouldn't have got injured. But a lot of my injuries come about. But I was, I was the same way. I was losing, even though I didn't use steroids. I was losing size. I was losing strength, and I'd worked hard for it. I invested time into that, and I couldn't rest injuries. That's another thing people need to understand. If you get hurt, let that. And join alone, or let that alone till it heals, because tomorrow will come around. Be patient with yourself, and uh, again, if you you can always tell the difference between a natural guy and a, a guy on drugs. I mean, a natural guy can train his whole life, and he might look a little different when he gets older, but he's not going to look that different. He might look a little different if he takes a layoff, but he's not going to look that different. But a guy who's taken tons of drugs, when he goes off the drugs or takes a layoff, he looks like you can't even recognize him. He looks like he's you, – you won't even recognize him when you see him. He looks so different. So, oh, my goodness. That's, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a great statement because it does. It, it happens, and it's just like uh, – it's almost unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. okay. As it is the other way because if I, I see guys for two years, five years – and they're not using nothing. And then all at once I see the same guy, and he's some way, and people are getting connected up all the time with the stuff out there. I seen a guy yesterday. I thought, no, this guy's been around here for a long time now. I know he's on drugs because he trained hard. He done the same thing he's doing now, but all at once this guy's got 20 pounds more muscle. I've seen that too. Where I've seen kids over the summer. When I was at Catholic University, I saw a kid in the spring who looked actually kind of scrawny, you know. And then he mm-hmm. comes back in September, and the guy was massive. I mean, so there was no doubt he was he took stuff over the summer. There was no doubt. He was like 35 pounds heavier and way one of the strongest guys on the team, you know, <laughs> overnight. Oh, yeah. Um but I have had cases. I had a guy that started tackle for Illinois when they had a good. They led the nation the first two games in defense. He was a defensive tackle, but he was a he, he was a real good looking guy, about six five, and <laughs> he was a bum in a gym. You couldn't get that guy to do nothing. But he knew he had lift, needed to lift some weight, so he come in one summer, and uh, which he had been there off and on for several years, and and he uh, we got him to work hard that summer. And his strength coach wanted to know what he had taken because this guy was so genetically gifted, you know, and he had never worked even close to hard. And one summer I got worked him out with a couple of real tough guys, and they pushed him, and he, he got involved with So you can make some great gains. Uh, but if I've been around a guy a long time, long time being a year, two years, what, and I see this guy train, and I see this guy train, and then all at once this guy makes it, it, it never happens. <laughs> that never happens. And like you said, I honestly believe if I hadn't done so much damage to my joints when I was younger, and again, I don't blame it all on weightlifting. 
I, probably most of it from playing basketball and the way I played basketball. But I loved what I was doing, so that's the way it is. I honestly believe there'd be very little difference in the way I could be built at 77 than I was at 27. I honestly believe that, primarily because, I, I, you know, I can keep my body fat off. I've I've learned, I think, how to eat, uh, and that, and, and I do pretty good job of it, you know. And so you can look almost yeah, very little difference, uh, you know, if if you keep yourself healthy. Yeah, like just like Sig Klein. I mean, he looked fantastic. I have a picture of Sig Klein on the wall of my gym when he was in his twenties. And then mm-hmm. I got a picture. I got a picture right next to it when he was in like his mid sixties, and the only really difference you can notice is his head. <laughs> his, fa- <laughs> his face and hairline were a little different, you know, a little less hair and a little more wrinkles, and that's about it. And from the neck neck down, he was almost the same. So, you know, right. I, I to- totally agree with you. Next question: um, Should a competitive powerlifter always use heavy weights? and low reps, even on assistance work? On, on assistance work, you don't never need no low reps. And what, what, is, what repetition scheme do I recommend then? Well, I'd recommend, and everybody's a little different, but I'd recommend somewhere between 8 and 12 to even 15 reps on assistance exercise. Now, when I'm talking about assistance exercise, you know, I, 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 you know I'm talking – about going again, like the hyperextension, compound row, pull down, all those type movements. And on the on the lifts itself, I, I again, I think I mentioned, but you know, about three reps. Let's say if you can squat 600 pound, then the three reps with 200 sure ain't gonna be much for you. But you need to cycle that, and you need to know what your best for three is. Say your best for three is 400. Uh, then you need to, after a contest, in my opinion, now this is opinion, there's more than one way to get there, I guarantee you. I would drop back to say, and you never know when your next contest is. In a lot of cases, you do, but in a lot of cases, you don't. But start your recycling after a contest. And again, I might mention I'd take a couple of weeks off after a contest. But if in, in, in any case, uh, drop back to where, let's say, your best is 400 for three, drop back to say, 260 for three and start recycling it up with a goal. Again, of course, you'd like to find out when your next contest is, but your assistance movements are where you're going to build your strength. Mm-hmm. And you can build strength with higher reps. That's baloney that you got to do. That low reps build strength and high reps build something else. You know, that ain't so. Now, I admit there's, again, you, there's a limit to that. So you got to keep your reps within some. You're not. I'm not talking about 50 reps. I'm talking about somewhere between, even some guys as low as five, but I, on the average, I would say between eight and 12 reps is where most powerlifters should train their assistance exercises with the belief that these assistance exercises, and guys like Louis Simmons would call them special exercises. Uh, you know, so if if you, if you follow on that type idea of his training with his equipment, which you know uh, he calls them special exercises, but assistance exercises is where you really build your strength, in my opinion. And you use your three lifts, you recycle them, and practice your skill 
correctly, just like you're going to go on a continent and build up, trying to beat whatever your best was before the contest before. Let's say you got 403 and you're going to another contest and and and, and um, you, you set your goal. You're going to you're going to do 420 for three. So you'd back it off, say 12, 15 weeks with that goal of reaching, say um, two weeks before your contest. Of, now that's a little hard to follow, I realize, but 420 for three. But uh, you don't want to be squatting and deadlifting and benching heavy all the time. You will quite a bit, but it'll be now if you're in a you know you. Again, not to get too complicated, I would have an assistance exercise in there of a bench press of say twelve reps. Say I've done my. I hope hope you can follow that. But, uh, you know, you've done your sets of threes with a lighter weight, then put on a weight that you can. And I use the close grip bench as the primary, uh, and close grip being of shoulder width, not real close. Primary assistance exercise for a bench press. Like 12 reps on that. I trained a guy last night. He done the close grip bench press after he done his regular bench. That's a little bit complicated, Bob. I realize some of that thing. That's not complicated. No, go ahead and go, Dick. It sounds really good. But uh, you you don't you don't want to beat yourself to death on the heavy weights because you'll go stale on a donut. And I've trained guys into that position too many times. Depends on the repetitions. I know what you're saying. It's always heavy. It's just that heavy with 12 reps isn't going to be the same as heavy doing two or three reps. But That's what, it, it's still it's still going to be heavy for the goal you're training for. Right. Like if the goal's 12 versus the goal is three, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that I might throw in there, when you go to a contest, I always recommend, once you've been in powerlifting for a couple of years, and maybe people ought to know this at powerlifting, Unless they got a coach and do what he said, but if you don't have a coach, you're trying to train yourself. Don't go to a contest if you've been a couple of contests and try to go up 20 or 30 pounds on a bench or something. I told I don't know what this guy got. This one guy that I train, he benches. Last contest he went to, he benched 402. Okay, I said only go up what the next jump is. You know, the, you know, when you use kilos, it's different. And I said, but don't go in there and think you can bench 420 until you've got that second lift. The first lift always gets something you can do. The second one, try to beat. Now, this is just on the average. Try to beat what you've done before by the least amount you can jump it. I mean, once you've been in powerlifting for a while. And then on a the third attempt, if you feel really good and, you know, all that traveling and all those things and whether you slept good that night all plays into that but a guy needs to uh, go up because it's good to come back from a contest and having went up five pounds than to come yeah. back from a contest better yeah you, sh- you should never bomb out because i mean I, right. I i would say on on the first on the first attempt it should be something you can bet your life on absolutely and then the the second attempt is your real attempt. I mean, that's what I used to do. I, I used to look at the the first attempt as almost a semi warm up. I mean, I would bet my life I can get this. And then the second lift is is really the lift. So in case I don't get it, I have one more try at it. Mm-hmm. And then if I if I do get it, then the third lift is you know just go all out and maybe go for something, go for a new record or whatever. There's no pressure. Right. Exactly. Take that pressure off yourself and make yourself happy when you come home. <laughs> because yeah, that's right. You can't be happy when you come home if you didn't, if you went down. <laughs> uh, it really, I, 
I probably have caused some guys to quit because of mistakes on my own greediness, you know, trying to encourage them. But over the years, I finally finally learned that the guy will come back more than likely if he if he if he went up a little, you know, and uh, you have to. If you got a team, you need a team. You know, you don't need fifteen one hundred ninety-eight pounders. <laughs> right. And that was a big deal to us. You know that we we had a team over the years. I mean, I, I would I was down to Y swimming one day, and I seen this little guy. I said he, he was become my one fourteen pounder. Well, I talked him away from the Y. I'm swimming down there, and I, I knew I needed a one fourteen all the time. And he'd become my 114 for years, you know. He's, he he was a full-grown man. He only weighed 114. And he went up to 123 at times. He'd go back down. But you need a full team, and so, you know, we were always looking to have that. But, again, please yourself by going up a little at a time in a contest. Uh, and you can even have contests uh, uh, yourself, you know, if you haven't been able to get to one for, say, three to four months. Cycle up and have somebody give you an honest opinion of what you've done. You know, like in a squat, bench, and deadlift, and uh, you, you can, you know, test yourself in the gym with with a contest. You don't want to go real, real great lengths of time without going to a contest if you're a competing powerlifter, unless you're injured. Well, Dick, it's always a treat, and uh, thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, hope to see you back again soon. Well, thank you, Bob. I enjoyed it. I really do. Don't be a flamingo. You have to do your squats. Don't be a flamingo. Real lifters work their legs. That's going to do it for this edition of Natural Strength Night on MindForceRadio.com. Please bookmark that website, MindForceRadio.com. Bob is always looking for new writers for NaturalStrength.com who are old school, hardcore, write with passion and have a strong anti-steroid stance. He also wants your training questions so they can be answered on the show. Please send your articles and training questions to Bob at mindforceradio at earthlink.net. Thanks for listening. See you next time.